You and Mula, you're listening to Karukiraman Ivi, Karukiraman, the English version. This podcast talks about the representation of the Caribbean in cinema and television. You can also check out my website, karukiraman.com, for more info. I'm your host, Patra M, and this is episode 2. I hope you guys had a fabulous month. Mine was good. My schedule was a bit chaotic because I had to prepare for a presentation at a workshop organized by the Institute of Americas in Paris. This workshop was dedicated to study the family, the family dynamics in American TV shows. Um, there was this PhD student who did a presentation about a Colombian telenovelas called Sintetas no hay paraíso, which means, I think, without breast, there's no paradise. And there was also this young woman, I think she, she was working on her master's degree. She was from Austria. And she did a presentation about the, about the, the sitcom The Nanny. And I did a presentation about black single mothers in black US sitcoms from the 90s. I only got three weeks to prepare, so it was hard, but I'm glad I, push, I pushed through it because it's actually a topic I had been meaning to talk about for like a year, but I had never taken the time to do the appropriate research to write something solid. Anyway, the presentation went well and hopefully it will get published sometime around 2020. There will probably be another call for submission to get other papers on this theme of representing feminism and family dynamics in American television. So if you're interested, send me an email and I'll give you more info. Anyway, I'm on vacation right now, so I'm in a good mood. I get to do some reading and some writing. And I'm also starting to plan out season two of Caracaramo. And with... And with that said, let's move on to today's topic. Today, I'm going to talk about the movie Rain. It's a movie set in the Bahamas. As you probably know, the Bahamas are currently dealing with the aftermath of Hurricane Dorian. So to me, this movie symbolizes even more how cinema can help humanizing the Caribbean cinema or any fiction in general shines a light on the culture and on the people. Art is a way to keep our history alive and can help to define cultural identity so we never forget and we can pass on this culture to the next generations. So I came across this movie while I was browsing through the CaribbeanTalesTV.com catalog last year. The main character is a teenage girl. I mean, let me rephrase that. The main character is a black teenage girl. And again, I would have given everything, anything to watch a movie about a young Caribbean girl back in the 90s. There are so many things going on in this film that it was hard for me to pick one topic and run with it. 
when I was working on the French episode back in January 2019. At that time, I was also brainstorming to submit a new story to Ataye. Ataye is an online magazine dedicated to non-mainstream art form. In episode 1, I told you how I got back into writing in 2016 and how I discovered Afrofuturism. Well, Ataye definitely played a big role in that this magazine gave me the opportunity to be published for the first time. I also participated in their second issue, Don't Touch My Hair which was a theme inspired by Solange Knowles' song. And I really had no time to write something for their third call for submission. And the, th the theme was loves and sexualities. I don't know how it sounds in English when you use the plural form, but in French, uh, in the way it was written, You could either read love and sexuality, singular form, or loves and sexualities in the plural form. So I decided to go for the plural form. I, I, I want to talk about how this movie um, deals with the representation of love and sexualities in the Caribbean from a young girl perspective. It's time for the Yekri Kirak. Yekrik Yekrak is the segment in which I present you the movie and the plot. Rain is a movie from the Bahamas. It was directed by Maria Govan and it was released in 2008. It went to many festivals and it received good reviews. It's one of the first full-length movies made by a person from the Bahamas and entirely produced in the Bahamas. So... That's why I say uh, this is how cinema can be very important for the culture. Here's the summary you can read on the Wikipedia page. <clears throat> a young Bahamian girl, Rain, boards a local mail boat from Ragged Island and sets sail for Nassau. The death of her grandmother has forced her to get out and explore the world on her own. When she arrives in Nassau, the sights of the big city overwhelms her, and soon she finds her idealistic illusions shattered when she finds how destructive her mother lifestyle has truly become. Stranded in an unfamiliar environment that fills her with dread and confronted by a mother she has never known, Rain searches desperately to find her own place in the world. Okay, let's rewind a little bit and let's be more specific without being too spoilerish. Rain Monroe is a 14-year-old girl who was raised by her grandmother on Ragged Island in the Bahamas. Her grandmother dies and Rain has no other choice but to go to Nassau and live with her mother 
who goes now by the name of Glory. The teenage girl's idealistic illusions get shattered as she witnesses the self-destructive spiral her mother is stuck in. Rain's only true moments of happiness are when she runs, so she joins her school track team and we follow her as she tries desperately to figure out where she belongs. This film is your regular, ordinary coming-of-age story, but the fact that it's set in the Caribbean gives it a particular vibe in the way love and sexuality are represented. I decided to talk about the representations of love within a family and also the representation of the of violence surrounding teenage girls awakening awakening to to their sexuality so yeah this is what we'll talk about next in the caribbean connection segment Caribbean Connection segment is to discuss how a movie makes me reflect on my identity as a black woman, as an Afro-Caribbean woman, and where I stand in this world. Before we start, I have to tell you how I connect with this movie. Let's go back in time to my own teen years, uh, which, uh, which were in the, in the late 90s and early 2000s. It was, uh, it was the second wave of coming-of-age movies. You know, in the late 80s, John Hughes movies such as um, The Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles were kind of a blueprint for the teen comedies that were released back-to-back -back 10 years later. I'm talking about the American Pie franchise. Um, I'm talking about She's All That, uh, 10 things I hate about you, and of course, bringing on. And I never enjoyed the American Pie franchise, but I I really, really liked She's All That, although it's, it's a bit problematic, I know. <laughs> but I, I like it, you know. And I think I still have the DVD of 10 things I hate about you. And also the bringing on DVD. Anyway, these three films, do you know what they have in common? Gabrielle Union as the black teenage girl. She was everywhere in the late 90s. Um, you know, in the early 90s, it was Stacey Dash um, because of the huge success of Clueless. And then by the end of the of the decade, um, Gabrielle Union took over the stereotype of the sassy black teenage girl. And I guess one could say that the amount of positive representation black family sitcoms offered in the 90s kind of made up for the lack of diverse representation in the film industry. 
But still, um, TV shows shouldn't be seen as a compensation. And if you're wondering why I'm only talking about the US film industry, it's because black teenage girls are invisible in the French film industry. I grew up watching a lot of US coming of age movies, which only made the impression of not being represented even bigger. None of them gave me the impression that who I was as a black girl, as a Caribbean girl, um, well, it, it just didn't matter. And this movie, Rain, changes that. Did I go through the same struggles? I did not. But her struggles are universal and anyone can relate to her. It's the Caribbean setting that makes me relate. And to be honest with you, if it weren't for the movie Blues Brothers 2000, I wouldn't have known that the Bahamas were a part of the Caribbean. Stick around at the end of the episode if you want to know how it exactly went down. Back to Rain and the first theme I want to talk about, the representation of love through the mother-daughter relationship lens. I watched the movie a couple of times and the first time I did was a few hours after pulling an all-nighter. I was in no condition to pay attention. I fell asleep for about five minutes and woke up as Rain and Glory got into um, a verbal fight. It turns out that it's the only scene where they openly express what they feel toward each other. Frustration, disappointment, and resentment from both sides. After Rain shouts, um, I am just some fool, I'm your child. She runs off. As a viewer, I didn't know which side I was on, because my teenage self was on Rain's side. Rain grew up listening to her grandmother, praising constantly Glory and picturing her as this amazing woman. And the reality of the situation is that, and it's a spoiler, sorry, uh, Glory is addicted to crack and she sells her body to get money and she lives in a ghetto called the graveyard. My teenage self understood how crushed Rain was to find out the truth about her mother. On the other hand, as I'm in my 30s now, and regardless of the fact that I am not a mother, I definitely understand how Glory is struggling to fit into this mother role she rejected 14 years ago. You see her trying and failing so hard at being a mother. And I, I mean, there's, for instance, there are some school fees to pay and Glory sleeps with a man to get the money. It happens a few feet away from Rain, who was supposed to be asleep. And the next morning, Rain refuses to take the money. And there's so much judgment in her eyes when she looks at her mother. It really broke my heart. Just like any relationship, the mother-daughter relationship is complex. But I think the Caribbean context makes it even more complex because of the femme potomitant figure. I talked about it in episode 1. Femme potomitant means pillar woman. 
it's this ideal of women sacrificing themselves for others to be happy. It's uh, similar to the strong black woman narrative, but I think it's still a bit different because Frambotomitant to me is really linked to the sacrifices that you're willing to make as a woman. You do these sacrifices for your family. So yeah, I think that's why it's a bit different from the strong black woman narrative. For instance, Rain's grandmother is a Frambotomitant. But what happens when a woman doesn't fit into this stereotype? What happens when you dissociate motherhood from womanhood? If we look at glory, only bad things come out of not taking on your responsibilities as a mother. But if we go deeper, doesn't this also show how womanhood and motherhood are just both hard? Before I watched this movie, I, I had never really taken the time to see things from my own mother's perspective. I mean, I was a quiet child and I grew up without causing trouble to my mom, but still there is stuff that my little sister is allowed to do that I would have never dared to do. And this is something I teasingly pointed out to my mom a couple of times in the past few years. And she usually remained quiet, but I think one day she just had enough and she said, well, back then we were living in Guadeloupe. If I had let you put on makeup or dye your hair, which means there, would have, there wouldn't have been enough water to clean all the bad things people would have said about her as a mother if she had let me do all this stuff. And when she told me this, I kind of understood but i don't think i really really understood until i watched rain glory is like the most extreme representation of a struggling mother but the fact that she was a caribbean woman made me truly consider my own mother's sacrifices to raise me you know it's it's quite Amazing how one's mind may disconnect a concept from its own reality just because it never sees it represented and validated. In most of Caribbean fictions I read, mothers go through some pretty hard stuff if they are ever represented at all. And it's a Caribbean thing. Simon James Alexander wrote about it in her, in her book, um, mother imagery in the novels of Afro-Caribbean women. It's like the mother-daughter relationship is always so hard because there's some miscommunication and the daughter really can't relate to her mom struggle and the mom is trying so hard to make the daughter understand and I just the movie made me realize how I had this Frampotomitant ideal in my mind to define my, to define any Caribbean mother. You know, we see them strong and powerful when in reality, Caribbean mothers may feel just as lonely and confused as any mother and as any woman and as daughters we may be merciless to our moms because we expect them to be great all the time and we don't allow them to be vulnerable 
So to me, this movie gives us a representation of a mother-daughter relationship based on the idea that motherhood isn't innate and that connecting motherhood with womanhood can be a very hurtful process. How to love your mother when she doesn't care about you in the way that you need. How to love your daughter when you know you can't, you cannot provide care and comfort in the way a mother should be able to do. Is loving your mother or your daughter an obligation? Each person will have their own personal answer to this, but it's a good thing to question our own stereotype. The second thing I want to talk about is the representation of teenage girls awakening to their sexuality. Before we get started, this is a trigger warning because I will talk about sexual violence, child abuse, so if this topic triggers you, you may skip this segment. Now, come back for the Caribbean soundtrack segment, and thank you for listening. Well, for those of you who stayed, um, let's go back to the arguing scene between Rain and her mother Glory in the trailer. When I watched the film for the second time, I found out how the argument started. The scene takes place early in the morning. Glory is very worried because Rain didn't come home the night before, so she has no idea where her daughter spent the night. And she doesn't even give Rain a chance to explain what happened, so she just thought, screaming and she gets angry at Rain. She thinks Rain judges her she thinks Rain judges her uh, that Rain doesn't respect her as her mom. Um, and that's when Glory claims that she never cared about what other people thought of her anyway. So she won't care what Rain thinks. And that's when Rain goes but I am not just some fool, you know, I, I'm your child. And Rain went off. And what Glory didn't know in this moment was that Rain almost got raped the day before. Um, so here's how, I mean, it's a, it's a spoiler, but I think it's important to talk about it. Um, so Rain was cleaning their little house, if you can call it that, a house. And... She went to the woods nearby to dispose of wastewater. And she gets attacked by this madman. Uh, I mean, it's the neighborhood madman. Like, he he just walks, walks around every day saying stuff about, about Jesus and the Bible and... You know, since he doesn't seem dangerous, so no one pays him attention. Which, uh, this kind of character, I think it's very Caribbean. Um, because I remember from my childhood, there was this man. Um, so I, I was about 
eight or nine when I saw him for the first time and he you know he was um, he was usually without a shirt on and he was barefoot and he just moved from one city to another city and by foot and you know he I wondered how he lived obvious obviously he was unemployed I, yeah anyway moving on from that I'm sure you get to there's you have this memory too if you're from the Caribbean I mean if you grow if you grew up in the Caribbean so this man attacks rain and Unfortunately for her, a little boy called the boss who the, the boss who ran the drug business around. So the boss rushed in and he saved the rain who got to escape and who got to hide him at her best uh, at her best friend's place. She spends and she spent the night over there and when she comes home the next morning she still bears the marks on her neck and on her knees so it shows how violent the assault was with that said um the scene is actually very short it's just enough to understand what's going on but it's not enough to really feel uncomfortable and unable to keep watching the movie and i use this scene as a reference because one I mean, the aftermath is in the trailer, so I think it's important to know why this scene is, how this scene happens. And it shows something that's really taboo within black communities. I mean, in our society in general, but really in black communities, um, sexual child abuse. I know it also happens to boys, but here I'm really talking about specifically about black girls and researches show that black girls get hypersexualized at an early age and they most likely won't tell anyone in fear of being called a liar and in this film what's great and what's important to to talk about it's it's how the narrative stays on rain and on how she feels about it the care and the protection her mother won't give her doesn't mean she's all by herself. First, she has Magdalene, so she gets to she gets the immediate help she needs, and then she got uh, she she has her coach to help her out. Um, the coach makes sure Rain is okay and. Uh, she steps in to talk some sense into glory. The woods in the assault scene can play as a visual reminder that we are on a Caribbean island, but it's not all just about, you know, the paradise um, pop culture wants to sell. But what's going on it's in this very moment is something any woman can relate to, and more specifically black women. This scene shows the physical violence that um, that like that is like a cl climax climax a climax of 
the psychological violence teenage girls are subjected to in their relationships to men. It's interesting how Maria Govan um, conveys this idea without using men on the screen because the main cast is exclusively made of women. Uh, the few male characters um, you see on the screen usually appear once or twice, but they're not there. And yet the setup is enough to understand the relationship, the negative aspect of the relationship women and men have. Um, for instance, if we look at Rain, she never knew um, who her father was. The, the man is never brought up anyway. Um, she knows and sees why the graveyard men come to her mother. So she knows about sex. And, and as much as mothers are often portrayed as femme potunita, fathers are usually invisible. I mean, it's not just about being invisible. It's like they don't exist. Um, for instance, Magdalene, uh, Rain's best friend, also gets to convey this idea in just one scene. It's toward the middle of the movie. Um, Rain and Magdalene go to some kind of restaurant or grocery store, I don't know, and the owner is at the cash register. He gives money to Magdalene, I mean more money than he should give her. Um, and they don't, ex they don't exchange a word. And at this point, Rain is as just confused as we are. Because Magdalene is a beautiful yet intimidating girl. She, she puts on heavy makeup, she smokes weed, she has a big picture of black Jesus in her room. Although her mom uh, drags her to church every Sunday and her mom prays to white Jesus. So Magdalene is has her own mind and her own vision of life so when you see her getting money from an all white man or maybe he's white passing anyway that's not important what's important is that you see uh, an old man giving money to a young girl and you don't know why you can't help but think that he's probably her sugar daddy well it turns out that he is her daddy. He's her father. Uh-huh. She's an illegitimate child and her father's wife doesn't know about her. So she blackmails her dad. She wants to make him pay and she 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 really says how she wants to show her father that she can become someone without him. So I'm thinking about doing an episode about fatherhood one day I just need to find I just need to find the perfect movie for that I mean we need to talk about the negative Caribbean father the negative image Caribbean fathers have anyway back to my point about the representation of sex sexual violence in this movie there's nothing positive about sex sex uh, isn't about pleasure it's not about love here it's just physical and it's just it's just 
psychological violence with consequences on your daily life. For girls, um, it can be you can become a struggling mother, a struggling single mother. Uh, for a child, that means you can grow up without a father. Uh, as um, as a person, uh, you are as a woman. You are being objectified and belittled by men. Nevertheless, in all this dark picture, there's one positive representation of sexuality. And I want to finish on that glimpse of hope. Maria Govan puts a twist into the representation of what is a healthy, loving relationship. Because it's usually portrayed by a head couple. A man and a woman and here it's represented by a same-sex couple because coach lives with her girlfriend the movie doesn't show them together on screen except for that brief for that brief moment when coach gets a call in the middle of the night from the police station she wakes up and in the background we can see the shadow of her girlfriend and again Maria Govan carefully builds this big reveal because this fleeting moment is just a, a confirmation of the clues dropped all through the movie to make the viewer understand that Coach is in love with a woman. Like she gave up everything, her career, her family because her father rejected her and she did all that just to be with this woman. And I thought it was truly refreshing to see this representation of love and the fact that it's in the Caribbean makes it even more meaningful because homophobia in our culture is real. Although things are slowly changing. There are still islands where people can go to jail for having same-sex sexual activities and the islands with the most progressive laws on that matter are territories of bigger countries like Guadeloupe and Martinique are French territories. So had they been independent, would they have would they have passed laws to protect the LGBTQAI plus community from any form of discrimination? Who knows? I'll give you the link to the list recapping which Caribbean islands legalized same-sex marriage adoption by a same-sex couple and the one with anti-discrimination laws concerning sexual orientation and gender identity. My point is that same-sex love on the big screen often ends in a tragedy. So I think it's quite nice to see a happy couple of black women for a change. And Maria Govan presents herself as a queer filmmaker and her art reflects her goal to help our society to change its view on, on sexuality. Uh, in 2012, she gave a long interview with uh, filmmaker Carrie Mortimer as they explained why they chose to represent sexual minorities in their films. Um, the sound is very low quality, but it's enough. If you're interested in this topic, I'll, I'll put the link in the description. Um, yeah. So, loves and sexualities. In this film, love isn't where you usually find it. 
Chloe the mother seems selfish and self-centered, but she actually cares about Rain. She just doesn't know how to show it. Um, the coach is in love with a woman. She becomes this maternal figure to Rain. So love isn't just about sharing the same blood. It's also about who cares about you and who is willing to fight for you. On the other hand, sexuality is represented through a lens of physical and psychological violence. And this representation raises awareness about the about the dangerous environment Caribbean girls grow up in. And on that note, it's time for the final segment, Caribbean Soundtrack. Caribbean Soundtrack will be all about empowerment songs. Before I forget, uh, in the first episode, I presented you the song Leo Love 2069 by Ishango Sound. And I only talked about, I mean, I said it was a duo made of Manu Dishango and Jamal, but it's not just Jamal, um, his full artist name is Jamal Fines. It's important because there are many Jamal in in this business, so yeah, uh, it's Jamal Fines. And the singer is Yalisai. The Caribbean soundtrack segment is about sharing music that highlights Caribbean culture related to the overall theme of the episode. So I'll just present you three songs, but if you're inspired by the movie or by the theme, feel free to drop a comment or maybe a song link on Twitter or Instagram. I'm always curious to hear what other people listen to. So let's start. Um... The first woman empowerment song I'd like to present you is Somnifer by Edith Leffel. Edith Leffel was born in Cayenne, French Guiana, and then lived in Martinique most of her childhood. Then she moved to France around the age of 14. She was at the top of the game in the 80s and especially in the 90s. She died in 2003 from heart failure. I think that's how you see it. Basically, her heart just stopped. And she was just 39. She is still deeply missed, and I think she can become a music legend if the young generation gets to hear her music. Anyway, she was so beautiful and so charismatic. Um, she, she had several nicknames, but I think the one people used the most were the mermaid because she used to wear very long and fitting dresses um and the other one was the fairy yeah yeah i'm sorry i'm just i was just thinking about her like so the song somnifer was one was one of her most famous songs in the french caribbean 
I mean, I believe it was one of her most famous songs. It was released in 1994 on a concept album called Je de Dame, Volume 1. Yeah, because there was a volume 2. This concept album was about bringing together songstresses to sing songs, empowering women. Yeah, I'm gonna stop there for the background story. Somnifer means literally sleeping pills. And it's about how women go through many hardships but never give up on life. And how they, they're resilient. Here's a clip of my favorite part of the song. thinking maybe I should post the translation, the English translation, I mean, well, maybe a French too, because some people just don't speak Creole, so, I don't know, you let me know if you'd like the English translation, uh, and I can, and I can post it on my website, caracaramon.com. Anyway, let's hop back on the time machine. And now we're moving to 2006 with her song OK by Tada. There isn't much info about her, but she's a Bahamian artist. And according to her discography, she debuted in 2004. The song OK is from her third album, F5, which, uh, and this song is actually on the soundtrack. It's, uh, I think you can say it's Rain's theme, like uh, whenever she's running, you can often hear this song in the background and the lyrics are filled with energy about following your dreams and about being proud of being Caribbean. In this song, Tada is really representing for the Bahamas and I'm here for it. Check it out. And now we are back in 2017 with Rachel Guillaume and her song Victorious with a featuring by VB. Rochelle is a singer from 80. She's barely 30, so I think she can cross over onto the international mainstream scene with 
the right songs and with the right marketing strategy. I mean, she's beautiful, she knows music, and she has a strong voice. And I mean it strong in she she also wants to speak for women and she's all about uplifting women and fighting for women's rights so she has a good image anyway the song victorious is the first track of her second album revolve um the song is about bringing together women from all around the world to fight for how for our rights it's about standing together and being there for each other and caring for each other. The lyrics say, no more fears, no more tears. I won't keep my head down anymore. And, well, I, I tell you this because most of the song is in French. There's a small part in English, but I think it's Phoebe who sings it. So it's, it's, uh, it's a bit, I mean, it's important for me to, for you to understand the message. Rachel wants to convey. Je te suis l'esclave de personne, ce dont est révolu. Je ne suis le bien de personne, c'est bel et bien fini. Les yeux dans les yeux. Les yeux dans les yeux. And on that note, this is the end of episode 2. Thank you for listening. Go check out my website, carlecarmon.com, for more links and info. Make sure you subscribe. Don't forget you can rate the podcast on Apple Podcast. Give me five stars. I mean, why not, huh? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at carlecarmon. See you next week. Ciao, mes red. Before I go, I just wanted to tell you how I discovered the Bahamas were about of the Caribbean. I was like 13 or 14. And, you know, I, I heard the name Bahamas in reports of Caribbean sports event. But to me, it was still this very far, far away region next to the U.S. and where only rich white people went. I mean, that's how pop culture and that's how cinema and television present the Bahamas. And, <clears throat> and I had never thought about the people who lived there, their culture being similar to what I could experience in my daily life in Guadeloupe. So here's what happened. Around 1999, I got to watch um, the movie Blues Brother 2000. And 
there was this scene where Elwood and his band auditioned for Queen Mousset's music battle. Queen Mousset was some kind of voodoo queen played by Erika Badu. So she asked Elwood to play something quote-unquote Caribbean, whatever that means, and Elwood goes on a rant for nearly a minute listing all the music genres he's willing to play, such as polka and waltz, but Caribbean music was something that he would never, ever, 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 ever play. Why is that? I have no idea. All I know is that I felt very offended, although I couldn't quite verbalize it by back then, but I just didn't get why Caribbean music was being treated with such despise. Um, yeah, anyway, Queen Mousset doesn't ask why he hates Caribbean music so much, and she's she just um, cast she cast a spell on the on Elwood and his band, and they turn they turn into zombies, and they play the song Funky Nestle that actually sounds more funky than what I'd, ex what I'd expect something Caribbean would sound. Again, whatever something Caribbean would mean, because we know Caribbean music is very diverse. I mean, you have reggae, you have dancehall, you have zouk, you have merengue, you have salsa, you have bouillon, you have compas. Something Caribbean just means nothing. Caribbean music... We we will definitely talk about it in uh, with the next movie I'm going to analyze. Anyway, I googled uh, Nassau and that's how I found out it was in the Caribbean. <laughs>